everybody welcome along to the latest episode of the mind your head podcast on today's episode we've got a really special guest uh, called martin coyd uh, martin is a big player in the construction industry for me he's always been at the forefront of mental health and well-being and uh, health and safety matters and just an all-round great guy so i'd like to introduce martin uh, m- morning morning how are we really well I'd thank uh, you for coming on today that's all right that's all right so are you London-based now? Uh, I work in London, but yeah. I, I live in Kent. Right, um, okay. I live in the Medway Towns in a an old military area, really. Right. And, uh, so I uh, travel in by bike, having completed half the journey by car, but have an hour on a bike every yeah. morning, which is why my mental health is really good. Yeah, really today, good. So. It, it, it helps you uh, focus on what you're going to do in the day and clear yeah, your mind. Yeah, def- definitely. Um, clears stuff. Yeah. Uh, after a good sleep and then a bit of exercise yeah. and I think on a bike in particular in these new safe cycleways that are coming you have less traffic yeah. to worry about you can you can let your mind wander a bit misleading but you can sort of open your mind and yeah. think about things and things catch your eye and I, I see things every day that I've never seen before yeah. which is always good so when you're sat in traffic or concentrating on driving you don't get to see that bit. That's, that's it and when I was using the train which I did for a long time I just did emails yeah. thinking I was making a difference. Yeah, and, and Tom a lot tells me off all the time for, I think I'm trying to help myself by getting in front and doing that type of thing, but really I'm not. I'm, I'm not living in the moment and taking in the scenery that's around me and, mm. and interacting with people. Obviously, it's difficult at the minute with everything that's going on with the pandemic, but it, it can, you can get consumed by your work, I think. These are interesting times, Uh, you know, I wouldn't wish the pandemic on anybody and the loss of life and and loss of business and the impact on mental health and well-being is tragic, but I also see opportunity coming out of it because most of us have had a chance to reflect and think a bit differently. And I think we've all, most people I know anyway, have thought, I've got a different idea about what's important. Yeah. And... um, whilst work is fantastic and um, you know often gives us a sense of purpose yeah I've put certainly worked out that my values have changed over yeah. the past 12 months it's, it's good to hear that in the position that you are in your job that it is being led from the front and coming um, forward that companies and industry and individuals are realizing that we do need to take that time for ourselves because we, we don't want to overwhelm ourselves and I think a good analogy with that we tend to use is that if you're using a forklift constantly, you're never servicing that engine, you're never looking after it, you're never maintaining it, ultimately it could lead to catastrophic failure. And the same could be said with people. Yeah, I, I think burnout's really real. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm the type of person who doesn't realise that um, I'm under pressure or stress mm. until I'm not. Yeah. It could because it becomes the normal thing, and and when 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 that pressure's off for whatever yeah. reason, you suddenly think, wow, yeah, you know, I was doing it tough then, but, but it was you know it's normal. And the, the thing I've just described, uh, you know, so the construction sector, all of it has worked all of the way through the pandemic. Yeah. You know, it, it's kept the country going. So it's really difficult to say to have a conversation around thinking differently and working differently because you can't. Yeah. You know, if you're a, a tradesman on the tools. Yeah your work is in front of you yeah. and you use your hands yeah. and you don't have an option of you know, working, working at home. home. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that's not going to change but I just think um, what's important 
uh, has changed uh, and I think we've all had that opportunity to reflect and you know I've certainly you know because of the pandemic had the chance to spend a bit more time with my family yeah um, which I didn't do for years years yeah. I spent putting my job first yeah um, and this has been a great opportunity to catch up absolutely yeah um, so I've obviously been in and around yourself for the past ooh, maybe 10 years working with McCrory and I've been on sites where you've come on and delivered talks and you can portray your message across so I've been studying a crowd of a few hundred people and every single man is focused on what you are saying I think you, you do have a gift for that so Beacon Barracks when I worked on Beacon Barracks I remember you coming down and giving a talk on there and nobody was making a sound everybody was focused on your message I think what I'm trying to get is you can focus people's attention um, and I think that's a really really good attribute to have and when, when you talk people are just concentrating on you it's very nice of you to say things like that um, I'm the least likely advocate of mental health mm. you could possibly be and people tell me because it's unexpected that yeah. somebody like me with my background um, you know I come from Warrington where we don't have coats because yeah. it's soft if you've got a coat <laughs> yeah. and um, I've played rugby league all my life I still yeah. play rugby league at the age of 56 which is stupid because <laughs> it hurts but, yeah. but, but you know I love it and it's just you know it's what you have to do um, I was in the Royal Engineers for 18 years right um, as a machine driver uh, but you know building stuff with you know often under you know uh, pressure yeah. time in the dark people shooting you from time to time yeah, you know, yeah. so tends to focus you um, and then joined the been 20 years in the construction industry on some of the best jobs I've had a very privileged uh, career yeah. uh, working for some you know three of the best companies yeah. in the world yeah um, and but also some great um, smaller contractors and specialists yeah. so uh, and I love the industry I absolutely yeah. love the industry you, you know I, I now refer to us as the built environment yeah because it means everything you know we're in a network rail building today you know yeah. if you say do you do construction they'd say not really yeah it's the built environment and, and but it impacts on all of us every minute of every day you know whether you're going to work play or school or where your home is or, or anything some somebody yeah built it yeah you know and you know I grew up in Warrington between the Manchester Ship Canal and the Bridgewater Canal and used to marvel at how yeah. these things were built in the days before you know hydraulic plant machinery yeah. etc um, so I love it uh, and, and my um, journey into even thinking about mental health was was an accident really um, it was an accident for me following the suicide of a rugby league player by the name of Terry Newton who was 32 when to a lot of people's surprise, he took his own life. Um, what was even more of a surprise was the amount of very senior players, and rugby league players are warriors. They, they're the toughest, it's the toughest team sport in the planet. Mm. The endurance levels are extreme, and, and you, you constantly have to keep getting up again when you've been knocked over. Yeah. Uh, what was remarkable was the amount of players who came forward and raised their hand, and this was before the Me Too movement. They were Me Too. Yeah. I'm in this place and, and, and ordinary people like me said how can you be yeah how can you you know you're a warrior you're a superstar you're a legend you know I pay money to watch you on a Saturday Sunday afternoon and I clap yeah at, at your strength um, and I wish I could be like you um, and 
they showed vulnerability for the first time. Anyway, I was at um, Harlequins Rugby League working with the, the scholarship in the academy, bringing young athletes on. And they said, um, would you mind going on a mental health course? Mm. So I was a bit indifferent and said, yeah, if you want, you know, fine. And an hour in, I suddenly realised how much I didn't know and how much I hadn't seen and how poor my behaviour might have been around judging people. Whereas if somebody didn't do what I, what I would have done or was the expected norm, I'd judge them. Yeah. and think they were weak or soft or not the type of person. And this happened, this didn't happen on a mental health course. This was all the way through my armed forces career. You had to be ready now. Yeah. Go, do not let anybody down, don't be injured, don't show any weakness, do your job. In the game of rugby league, you have to do your job or the opposition score and we yeah. lose the game. Uh, in the construction industry, every, every I said man and, uh, it was a bit of a slip of the tongue, but it really is men. Yeah, it, it's changing slowly, um, but you know, it's still um, a male-dominated industry. Yeah. So every man must do his job, and if you don't, the job doesn't get done. And if you are perceived to be a weakness, um, you, you'll soon find yourself not working there yeah. anymore. You know, people show you the door, and I, I had a you know a, a turning point when I, and I, I've stayed with it now, I still judge people, it mm. still happens, it's, my, it's me, it's how I am, it's 56 years on the planet, is I am like this, but I've, I've learned, if somebody doesn't do what's expected or I notice a change in them, I, I say to myself, I wonder, and we'll now go and ask them, rather than make a judgment, yeah. you know, and I, I still coach rugby league now, I pick the teams, if a player's not where I think he should be, I go and ask him, everything all right? Yeah. And they'll say, "Yeah, everything's fine." Yeah. And if you go and talk to somebody on a, in a you know, any you talk to anybody in your family, your friendship group, your work group, you say, "How are you? I'm really good. Yeah. I did it to you this morning. How are you? It's yeah. fantastic." Yeah. I, I mean it, and they mean it. Yeah. But um, so I came out of this training course, um, recognizing that I had judged people all my life mm. uh, negatively when they may have been struggling with their mental health and well-being. So I started to talk about it with with colleagues and friends and um, people didn't want to go there. Yeah. We, we'd, yeah. we'd never gone and absolutely nobody was going to disclose it um, because to, and what, what I've learned actually, that if you can show or express your vulnerability, particularly if you're a leader, and by leader I don't mean boss, CEO, yeah, yeah, yeah. car park nearest to the front door, you can be the youngest person in the team and be a leader. Um, you know, you, you influence the mood. But if if our leaders show some vulnerability, it gives permission for everybody else to do so. It shows you that you you are a human being and you're not a machine. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had some um, some moments. I, I be you know I <laughs> I won't forget this. And I, I did my performance review and said to the managing director. You know, as head of health and safety, you report to the yeah. big. And he said, "What do you want to do this year?" And I said, "I'd like to be a mental health first aid instructor." Yeah. You know, and he sort of paused and looked at me. and went, "What do you really want to do?" And I said, "That." And he said, yeah. I, "I don't believe you," because because I I had this persona of this big tough guy. Yeah. Indestructible, first first on site, last off. You know, drove overnight to the next site. You know, yeah, no yeah. sleep. Um, you know, 
and I said, yeah. And he, he backed me. He said, he said, okay, I'm going to pay for it for you. Good, good on you. And uh, I was I, I was asked to speak at an event uh, of, of a big team, about 120 people, not far from here, just on the other side of the square. Uh, Royal College of General Practitioners, I think it's called. And um, to my surprise, there was 120 people, and I said, "What? You know, okay." <laughs> and I, so I spoke for about 45 minutes, and at the end, had a queue of people in front of me, mm-hmm. wanting to talk to me. And I was thinking, "This is, you know, I wasn't expecting anything. I thought some gentle applause, yeah, like, yeah. Like, you know, because that's what we do, because we're sort of British and." Uh, yeah. Uh, we, you know, we're courteous to people. You know, even if they're rubbish, we we clap. You know, so, um, so to have this gathering in front of me was, you know, and they all had a question, well into double figures, and afterwards I got phone calls and emails from people who didn't want to talk to me in public, and that has happened ever since. Mm. So the meetings, the stuff you talked about at Beacon Barracks when I spoke, the same thing will have happened somebody come and find me in the car park yeah and sometimes they say I'm worried about my partner my mate my brother my boss uh, you know but I don't know what you know yeah. what, what do you think yeah um, uh, I, I I often think that they're talking about themselves yeah but they'll speak yeah. about them as it, because they don't know what to do yeah so this, this going on to this speaking thing um, Nobody did it. No, nobody stood up really. There, w- there was one or two famous people, but mm. was, you know. And um, what I do now, if I'm speaking, I um, the, invariably there's a screen behind me with my name on it, so I don't introduce myself because most of them can read. Yeah. Or they've read the the invitation coming yeah. to this thing, and at nine o'clock, such and such is going to be on. So I don't feel the need. I just uh, I say, can you raise your hand if you have been um, in any time in your life, if you had any education or information around mental health and well-being, your emotions, how you felt at any point in your life, nobody ever has. Because that's what I say at school. Yeah. You know, the occasional Australian or Swede in an audience may raise the hand and said, "I did an hour in Year Twelve in civics." Yeah. You know, but but nobody in the British education system. So I say, okay, okay, raise your hand if you've been touched by mental ill health or anxiety or stress. And most of the audience will raise their hand and I'll say, or if it's not you, somebody you love, live with, work with, no mate, neighbour. And the whole room raises their hands and I say, how have we got here to now 2021 when we haven't talked about, it's not talked about in the family home. It's not talked about in school. It wasn't talked about um, in the workplace, in the in the sports teams. It's the it's the ultimate taboo subject. And now we're in crisis. Yeah. You know. So why are we in crisis? The, the world's changed. The world's extremely fast. You, you know. My, my grandfather joined the co-op butcher as a butcher at age fourteen and retired at seventy. He didn't worry about where his next no. job was going to no. be. He was just a co-op butcher. You, you know. They had. You know, most of the time, you know, four TV channels was excited for Harold. <laughs> you know, and, and the phone was something that went. You had to yeah. make a circular motion with your finger, and it rang maybe once a day. Yeah, and it was some. You know, and this was it. And if you wanted to communicate, you'd write a letter. You know, so life was of the. And now, life is just wild. Yeah. You know, and we are communicated at 
all day every day and there's a requirement to um, respond with speed yeah. I, I don't um, I don't have any male grooming products that I know of not that I would call a male grooming product but, but we live in an age of curated perfection yeah I understand I don't I'm really proud I have no social media at all nothing yeah won't have any of it it's not for me the, the idea that somebody knows what I'm wearing where I am and what I'm planning to offer me tea I, I find pretty oh. difficult yeah yeah so <laughs> um, I don't do any of it um, but in this age of curated perfection when you're required to look and be a certain way and think a certain way um, you know the, the pressure on all of us is just enormous so yeah. we have we have a crisis it's it's a real crisis um, for as long as anybody's been talking um, we say to boys it's not okay to cry mm. boys don't cry don't don't show any emotion stiff mm. up a lip fight them on the beaches yeah. never in the field of human conflict y you know and, and it's this um, limits on how, how you can express yourself and, and the fear of a, a judgment yeah. that you'll be ostracized not on the next job no mates yeah causes us particularly the british male to behave in a certain manner and it's uh, it's it's become unnatural and it, it's you're constantly suppressing that feeling and it'll it'll just get to a break point like we spoke about and it just everything is massively um blown up then and it'll get to a breaking point and it's it's difficult to get back to quote-unquote normal life again I think if, if if people aren't expressing the feelings and talking to each other and and helping each other out yes it, it's really interesting I um was talking with some colleagues yesterday they were an exciting um, project coming and we were talking about stress and distress mm. so me stress when you put it on yourself pressure is good you think about sports again yeah. you know often the greatest athletic performances are under extreme pressure yeah uh, you know I think of Rafa Nadal who can play tennis for 18 hours and, yeah. you know and, and pulls off the most freakish shots under extreme pressure yeah and fatigue etc so um, but when you can't control that stress and pressure and it's not, and not of your making that's when um, that's when it becomes distress and dangerous and difficult and um, you know sort of going back to my own uh, way of working my practice if you like I, I, I'm not a mental health specialist I'm not a psychiatrist I can't diagnose or treat mm. mental ill health um, I, I, I wouldn't know where to start I, I can support people though yeah. who, who are struggling with their mental health and I can signpost them where to get help we're, we're, we're quite fortunate now, now um, in the UK where there's a, a very strong network of mainly voluntary organisations all around the UK uh, where you can get help sometimes locally so hub of hope yep. is really strong yep. and you put your postcode in and yeah. you can find you know what's available near you and there's, there's national stuff so papyrus is a marvelous organization well, I was just about to remember with you being from Warrington I actually had a conversation with papyrus yesterday we're gonna start well, doing something so they're brilliant and they they came about from the families the bereaved yeah. families of, of young suicide um, and they started communicating and supporting one another um, and that that type of you know lived experience support is far better than any sort of educated stuff because people have 
you know, walked in the shoes you yeah. may be working yourself. You know, Samaritans are just outstanding. Yeah. 22,000 volunteers around the UK um, who often have walked in the shoes of the person yeah. who might be reaching out. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've never said, because I'm trained not to, I know how you feel. Cause yeah. Because you don't. Yeah. You know, now the person feels that yeah. you're talking to. But a Samaritan may well have been in a, you know, in a similar place and they they do an incredible job. And then the sort of the mental ill health, so some mind and sane and the mental health foundation, you know, real technical specialists, they're just fantastic. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we're, we've, the, the, the network is growing, awareness is still low. Yeah. So if, you know, people like us provide that support, can signpost people where to get help, it makes an enormous difference. Small steps can make big changes. And also, uh, I'm, I'm really proud to be an ambassador for the Lighthouse Club. Yeah. Lighthouse Club is our uh, industry's charity. It's been going since 1956. Um, and, you know, traditionally, for a long time, um, provided financial support for people who've been injured in the workplace. Um, and it's evolved over a period of time. And its evolution over the last few years has just been phenomenal. And it now has two specialist... Uh, pieces of help. One is the phone line, yeah. you know, the construction industry helpline, um, and I, I got connected with them because um, they spoke to me and said a lot of people are disclosing a mental health issue to our to our phone operators yeah. uh, who are not trained. So we trained the phone operators, and they also have access to professional support. And if if there is crisis, we can get one to one support immediately to the person in distress. Yeah. And it often comes with, I've, I've lost my job, I'm owed pay, it's unfair, you know, oh, and by the way, I'm really struggling. Yeah. And we've lost our home, and we've got nowhere to stay tonight, and Lighthouse can provide that support. And the other thing is an app. So, um, um, I, you know, I've just come here on a, on a fairly empty tube train, but I, I always look around, and every single person on the tube train is staring at an electronic device at yeah. the end of their arm. Yeah. It's our world today, so I, I recognise that rather than go and talk to a middle-aged white male like me, a young person's first port of call may well be an app. Yeah, and the app is just brilliant. It's three clicks to everything. It shows you. It, there's some educational stuff on it with the form of videos. Uh, there's where to get help. Uh, there's em emergency phone lines if you need help right now. And, and I think opening this type of door to people. Uh, where you can get help, uh, perhaps on site with a first aider, yep. but certainly a phone line or the app uh, are, are great options. And the more we open, uh, the more we can help people in crisis. Absolutely, and it's thanks to the Lighthouse Club that actually got me on my training courses. So they paid for me to go to um, a first aid um, training course, so I became a mental health first aider. That was paid for and put on by uh, Lighthouse Club, which I'm very thankful for. Is it, was this through Building Mental Health? It was, yeah. yeah so I'm very proud to be part of um, Building Mental Health. We knew we needed to do something. Now, what I had the privilege of working for um, Skanska, Lendlease, and Mace in, mm. in senior level in health and safety, and um, what I worked out eventually was that we just used to instruct the supply chain what to do. Here's yeah. our rules, follow these. Yeah. Um, and every other big contractor was doing the same. So we, we just bewildered people, yeah. particularly, you know, the person at the sharp end, yeah. um, who wasn't part of the contract negotiations, just turned yeah. up to do yeah. a day's work. 
you know, is a different set of rules to follow around behavioural safety. So it wasn't wrong, it was just where we were, and, and you've got to learn as you go along. I, I, I love learning, um, and it wasn't a mistake, so I'm, mm. I'm not criticising where we were with that sort of part of the journey. But I began to realise that just telling people this is the answer isn't, yeah. is not the answer. Yeah. Um, but I also recognised that the, the same workforce is shared by the whole industry. You know, I learned a bit, read up a bit, there's 2.1 mil, million people live in the construction industry. Uh, and churn on building sites in London can be 40% a week. Really? You, you know, yeah, just just people just piling through. You, yeah. know. Um, I, you know, so we're here with Network Rail and HS2, that won't happen there because of the, the barriers to get in with yeah. the Sentinel cards, etc. You know, so that cuts it down. It's like the airport. There's little churn at the airport because it's so difficult yeah. to attain your accreditation. Uh, the big contractors' sites is um, relatively low, but a lot of people are out there chasing the dollar day by day. Yeah. Uh, either working self-employed or in small work gangs or agency staff. So, you know, they're not. You know, they're not. Um, enamoured with going away and being trained, they yeah. just want to do their job. However, if w what we agreed with Building Mental Health, and it was a, a great collection of um, uh, big contractors, but yep. there were some specialist subcontractors, we had education colleges in there, trade unions, health and safety executive, uh, CITB, uh, Lighthouse Club, we, we said, look, if we recognise each other's training and, and awareness and not say ours is better, yeah we had a chance of making a difference. And I believe absolutely that building mental health is doing that. The financial support given by CITB was incredible. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and trained people like you. Yeah, thank um, you. <laughs> and w what we were obsessed with with setting up, it wasn't gonna be another big contractor thing. Yeah. Um, you know, specialist contractors. Yeah. L like McCrory. Yeah. Would have access to this type of training because they'll reach people that the big contractors can't reach. Yeah. It had to be geographical. Um, we broke down some barriers with Wales and Scotland because there was different mental health first aid in different countries. Yeah. And we said, well, I'll tell you now, the builders cross borders yeah. and they don't care where they're working. It's it's the same. And So there was th this great stuff and, uh, you know, by the end of it, we'll, we'll have trained 288 first aid instructors uh, and the numbers are starting to come through the door. Excellent. Um, you know, and if we can reach 2.1 million people, all of them have had or have got or will have brothers and sisters, children, parents, colleagues, friends, neighbours. And, and if we can improve their understanding of mental health and well-being and give them some literacy around it, that will impact at home. Again, it will impact. And we, and we can. We can. We can change the whole nation. Um, by, you know, this is just care. Yeah. It's just a bit. Just I just care. I just care about how you're doing. But I really mean this. Yeah. I care about how you are, and and if and if you have, you know, if you're not in the best place you might be, I'm going to listen to you. Yeah. That, that's it. And that that's that's absolutely the, the same angle that we're coming at it because that I am on the front line and we 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 don't want to portray it as if it's a HR incentive, we're actually doing it because we care for you as a person. And you, you're not just a number, you're not just a bricklayer or a joiner or electrician or whatever your trade might be. You're a work colleague, a friend, a, a human being that ultimately 
we all need to work together to get the job done if you want to look at it at, at, at that way but if we can work it in, a, in an environment and, and a, a stable way that everybody's can be more productive everybody's happier and ultimately we're, we're helping everybody out and I think it's a great place to be and a great industry to work in if we, if, if, if we can achieve that. I, I've had some lonely times and some, mm. some difficult confrontational times on the journey when people have said to me, where's this going? Yeah. You're, you're a safety guy, I want yeah. you to prevent accidents and you know, you, where's this, what's all this stuff? Um, you know, this is not what we're about. And I used to say, I can I give you all the safety rules and process and barriers and systems yeah. and engineering you can imagine we've got it all now there'll, there'll be some good innovation coming but from where safety and construction was even 20 years ago to where it is now is a massive change yeah. and we, we the industry have invested tens of billions in in safety preventing accidents and we've took fatalities down from in excess of 100 just over 100 to between 30 and 40 yeah. per year um, so I, I was I used to get challenged when I started out on this conversation, you know. So what's the what's the problem you're trying to solve? And I, you know, I learned that in Australia they'd worked out that you were six times more likely to die by suicide than you were falling from heights. They'd done some surveys. Yeah. Massive country, small population. London's got, you know, I might be wrong, but it's about the same amount of people living in and around London as the whole of Australia, you know. So, yeah. so they could do the. So I th thought, okay, six to one. I came back, looked at the um, HSE statistics around death from heights, and it was 30. So I began to say 180 suicides a year. Yeah. And people say, where have you got that from? And it was statistics yeah. that, that I was using. 2016, the Office of National Statistics um, completed a survey called death, uh, de Suicide Death by Occupation, right. where they, they counted where the suicides. So we have um, around five, 6,000 suicides a year in the UK and they started to measure this. And the number that f first came out for England and Wales was around 440, something like that. We weren't quite sure. So my 180 was way off. Yeah. We were up in the 400s. The second survey they did when they got more accurate um, was over 700 construction worker suicides in England, Scotland and Wales. So this is, you know, two a day. Yeah. This is, this is, you know, horrendous. Uh, and if, you know, it was happening in any other work of life, would stop it. Yeah. You know, if, um, so, but there's the connection between, well, are people taking their own life because they work in construction? No. However, we're, we're the highest risk of all the sectors. And the Construction News did a great survey that, um, and the, the top five of the things picked out, and this is from people on the tools, were uh, working away from home, late pay, job insecurity, yeah. uh, financial pressure, and drugs and alcohol. So uh, drugs and alcohol is uh, an interesting thing. 15 years ago, I was part of bringing in drug and alcohol testing with the idea of catching bad people. Yeah. Is where I was. I don't want bad people on my site. Get them off. Yeah. Uh, I'm not there anymore. So, so for clarity, I'm not suggesting it's okay to take any form of um, substance which will 
you know, cause imbalance in your mind, be that prescription drugs, illegal drugs, alcohol, you yeah. know, which is a legal drug. Um, I'm not suggesting for one second that it's okay to do that. But because of my um, raised awareness around mental health and well-being, I recognise that people are not taking ecstasy to enjoy welding a bit more. Um, it's to get them through the day. Yeah. You know, life's tough, and, and if I can take away the edge of the pain by taking a painkiller or having a skin full the night before, um, or, 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 or you know, whatever, and I can numb myself to what's hurting me, and I need to go to work to earn that money, yeah. you know, um, I don't want to judge people as bad people. I want to help people. Yeah. Um, and this is going to take the whole industry to, to work together and provide support for people. And I could tell you some great stories of people who've stepped forward, asked for help, and turn, been turned around. Yeah, I think we share a, um, a colleague that we've worked with that you've we've, you've helped point point him in the right direction. Is now ultimately back. I wouldn't say he was absolutely back at one hundred percent of the the man that we used to know, but he's he's still here. He's still working and he's still able to provide for his family and he, he's still able to contribute to life, I guess is what I want to say, because I know how low he got. Enjoy life is, is, the, is, is the object of the game, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you can, I, I'm very fortunate. Most mornings I wake up, I feel pretty good. Yeah. Um, the, the sun rises in the windows I look out of and yeah. birds tweet where I live. So um, you know, but I know some people were getting out of bed. Getting out of bed is tough. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you are struggling with mental ill health, you know, cure is not always possible. Mm. But, but making it better, where where yeah. you can cope, it is really good. And you know, going back to the workplace, I was mentioning that I can't. Um, diagnose and treat mental illness but I can support people who are struggling I like to look at the proactive way of way of thinking um, and if we can create great working environments where people are valued and respected yeah it improves everything yeah um, it'll improve productivity yeah. it'll improve innovation because people will come forward with ideas it'll reduce accidents I'm convinced yeah. good collective mental health and well-being where people feel respected and I belong yeah. here I can make a contribution I'm going to follow the rules yeah I've probably been part of writing the rules <laughs> you know rather than some bloke in the safety team telling yeah. me what they are yeah you know I, you know we I, I use bricklayers all the time yeah why why write a method statement for a bricklayer they know what they're doing yeah don't tell them how to do it just tell them what the hazards are that might harm them while they're going about their job yeah. rather than pages of crap yeah. that safety professionals demand and someone like me I can lay a brick not very well and I'm yeah. slow um, you know so I, I understand some of the process but I don't know yeah you, you know uh, let the experts do their job and empower them and encourage them to be at their best and you know, in my world of safety, you know, I look back at it, we've been trying to protect people from hurting themselves. It's nuts. Yeah. You know, no one's going to come to work, you know, and for me, the people will provide the answers yeah. if, if you give them the opportunity and ask them, rather than telling them, 
you know, often the obvious and, and, and often ridiculous things that you, you know, they'll nod at. People will say, oh yeah, I'll do that. But they won't. No. Because it doesn't bring them any, uh, any value. Anyway, going back to this thing, if you can get a strong culture around positive mental, mental health where, where leaders give people permission to talk about it, you will improve productivity, innovation, quality goes up. People will have more pride yeah. in the company they're working for and the job. Uh, safety will improve. People are less likely to go sick. If they do go sick, they'll come back quicker. Yeah. They'll tell their friends and colleagues, "This is a good place to work." Yeah, you, you know, and, and everybody wins all the time. And, and I used to articulate this as as why I would include this um, in health and safety. So my, my best successes have been not when it's a health and safety initiative to bring mental health and well-being into the workplace. It has to be, has to involve HR, mm -hmm. sustainability, work, worker committees or whatever they're called, uh, possibly uh, trade unions or labour relations, if, if that's everything. If the organisation has a foundation which, which does charitable work or voluntary work uh, for their local community, get everybody in. Then it's not just something that the weirdo is in safety at again. Yeah. The HR police yeah. are going to make us do. It becomes a team effort. And I found that uh, if a workforce becomes interested and engaged in something, it does now fascinate the bosses. Yeah. Um, and, and they'll want to join in to yeah. see what this what this thing is. So, if it's CEO led, it, it'll be good but CEO's job is sustainability of the business and they'll move on to the next thing. So it has to be, has to be owned and led by everybody um, and um, the, the team can make anything happen really. Absolutely, yeah. And that's, that's what I've been given the power to do with the, with the business that I work for, that if you, if you can make this work for us as a business, absolutely great. If we can give the benefit to the people that we work for and with, then absolutely go for mm. it and I'm, I'm quite lucky in the fact that I've, I've been given this opportunity to to come and speak to people like yourself and all the other guests that we get on and I'm very grateful for that and this is now a, I think a big turning point in my career that I'm now going to push this forward and get this message out there in and try and portray it in a way that the, the, the lads that I work with can understand it and realize that we're not trying to stuff it down the neck it's not like you said before about trying to write a massive document that we've got to try and get them to sign up to it, it's being led and and provided by themselves it, that they can work to and understand it and get on board with it and, and that's that so there's there's no secret or science in yeah. it. it it really is doing the simple simple and obvious things really well and and, and you know I, I often said to my people permission to fail Mm. And they say, "What do you mean by that?" I say, "Well, we'll we'll learn much more getting things wrong yeah. than we will taking easy options." So I, I'm encouraged by what you've said about that, but I do want to talk about crisis. Yes, there'll come times when people are in crisis, and I recall vividly. You remember vivid things. I was probably driving somewhere. I was driving somewhere, and I got a phone call that I wasn't expecting, and it was um, uh, I, I, a man who owned a business who had trained recently mm. and he said, I'm really worried about one of my guys, I love him, uh, we don't know where he is and um, I, I think something's wrong but I, I don't know what to do and I daren't share it with his, with his family and I said, you must contact his family now. 
this is not about um, you know keeping secrets amongst friends this is not about um, not breaching confidence you know this is about sometimes you just got to do the right thing and there's a difference between gossip and tittle tattle yeah and reaching out and, and when you reach you know when you reach out to people and say you know I, I, I'm worried about you I think you're struggling are you thinking of harming yourself which is very difficult for us mm. to say the person may say yes but if they're not they'll say no I'm not thank you very much and they'll just think you're a good person yeah you know they won't think you're some sort of you know crazy person they'll yeah. think well this person cares about me so and I said make the you know just make the phone call now and I spent a day um, wondering, you know, what, what the outcome of the call was. And I got a call saying, I'm so glad I phoned you. I'm so glad you gave me that advice. I took your advice um, and reached out to the family. And, and my person I care deeply about is safe and with the right people. And we're going to be, and, and the family had no idea. Mm. Family knew something wasn't right, but didn't know uh, where it was. And this story is not about me. This story is about a person who really cared about somebody, wanted to do the right thing, um, did the right thing, saved somebody's life, yeah. uh, and and uh, you know ensured that a family stayed together, um, and and done that. So the the, the challenge with suicide is um, people who uh, get to the point where they've you know decided that suicide is their option often believe that the people they love the most will be better off without them. So there may be a calm about them. Yeah. Uh, they may have had strife and turmoil. And, and suicide is not absolutely associated with mental illness. You, you can be not mentally ill and, and also suicidal. And, you know, the, the COVID crisis we've been has, has increased suicide, has certainly yeah. increased um, mental health uh, or mental ill health. Um, where people are reaching out more and more for support um, and, and there's lots of reasons for that so we mustn't be put off by you know having that very very difficult conversation I just want to go back to the um, suicide rate I talked about where it's over 700 um, part of the mental health first aid training says that for every suicide that is uh, completed there are between 10 and 25 attempted suicides mm. so if I multiply 700 by 25 it yeah. doesn't bear thinking about huge numbers it's enormous number which is why I talk about crisis and the other statistic you know which I will use when I'm talking is that one in four of us will suffer with mental ill health during a year well that's 500,000 people in the construction sector yeah you know, so half a million people, one in four at any one time. And if you've got a building site with hundreds of people on it, you know, you, you're talking Big tens yeah. of people where life is really tough. Yeah. Um, and if we work together, so I'm not saying work less hours. I'm not saying yeah. lay fewer bricks. Yeah. I'm not saying don't go, don't work outside when it's raining because it's what we do. Yeah. It, it's what makes us fantastic. It was what. It was, you know, I'm looking at the skyline around us now. It's just incredible, yeah. built by people who do what we do. Yeah. We mustn't stop this. No. But we can just um, reach out, provide support, raise awareness, educate people, um, 
and and show uh, care via leadership that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely blown away by by everything you said today, and thank you for taking the time to come down and, and contribute and and share your story and it's been amazing as always and felt really engaged and I've, I've enjoyed absolutely everything about it okay it's uh, i'm delighted and i'm you know i'm just thrilled that you uh, are, are just doing this um it, it's so powerful you've no idea how many people this will reach but i'll guarantee it'll reach people it'll make a difference and and what we've just done today will give others permission yeah uh, to um to find out um and, and you know, if we could just be, uh, uh, there's no doubt for me that this journey I've been on, I hope, has made me a better person, better, better family member, better father, better work colleague, better sport coach, and and um, just just because I've got a little bit more understanding. Absolutely, and there's, it's been um, a great journey for myself, and it, it's thanks to people like yourself and building mental health and Lighthouse Club and allowing us to have these opportunities to come and, and get the training and if we can keep pushing that message out there then it's, it's better for everybody and it, it's just great to be part of it and um, thank you and for everybody that's listening we'll put the links to Lighthouse Club in the description um, the links over to Building Mental Health um, Papyrus we spoke about and, and all the other things that was chatted about in the, in the podcast we'll put all the links below and you can click on them and go over and see the great work that everybody's doing there and you never know there might be something on there that you might be able to take to your business or your work colleagues and they can uh, definitely put you in the right direction and you can start your journey and you can come along this journey with us and hopefully we can all start breaking down them barriers of stigma and showing everybody that everybody needs a bit of help sometimes and we all we all need that extra bit of help to keep us going and um, I hope you've picked up something along the conversation today um, thank you for today for Martin for taking time out of your day to come in and do this with us and hopefully we can do a lot more in the future together yeah pleasure good on you thank you thanks everybody